there is a call. Some hear it like a distant thunder. Some hear it like a whisper in the ear. Some just feel it in their hearts. A deep sense of responsibility to country, to service, to something bigger than themselves. We honor those who are willing to do what so few have done because of their sacrifice and service. Our country is a light on the hill that cannot be put out. Though many have tried, those who stand and protect it are heroes, worthy of our respect and admiration, worthy of every minute of attention we give to pause and recognize the hope, the sacrifice, the honor of all who have served our country. I'm going to ask this morning that our veterans that are here, whether active or <laughs> retired in some cases, we'll just call it for what it is, but we appreciate you. When we're going to ask you to come, if you will, to stand and to come up front to face the congregation, those of you that are here this morning, and would you also do me the favor of bringing your communion with you as well? We're going to do something a little different this morning, but as they come, can we just thank them as they make their way to the front here? Amen. 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 I so appreciate them, and I know you do too. Amen. Do it's time for bed, everybody. <laughs> uh, let me share something very quickly with you, and why the applause and the recognition is is nice and, and it's enjoyable. It doesn't mean as much as individually coming up to them and thanking them for their service. That's a huge difference. But we wanted to take the moment, the opportunity, especially this week, with Veterans Day, to recognize them, to say thank you to them, and to let them know that we appreciate them, for what they've done, and what they're doing. And so at this time as well, I'm gonna ask for, for Tom Connors to come, and to this morning lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance. So if you would, to the flag. I pledge allegiance to the, to flag, the flag of the United, of the United States, States of, America, of America and to, and the, to Republic the Republic for which, for which it, stands, it stands, one, one nation, nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Amen. Amen. I'm gonna ask you at this time if you would, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. This is a moment of remembrance because God founded this country. And on the motto, in God we trust, we remember him through this time. But we also remember that there are others who are serving this great nation who are, in that sense, on the front lines for us even now as we gather together this morning and to recognize the sacraments of the church. So I've asked Christine Fossett to come and to offer a prayer for all active military that are out there as well as for this country. So if you would come, Christine, and by the way, I want your socks. They're waiting. They're actually here. No, I'm not. I don't want them then. That's okay. <laughs> Lord God, we pray in this time of heightened national stress, not only for our nation and our leaders, but those who have chosen to serve this country in all branches of our armed forces. 
We pray not only for their physical protection, but their mental and emotional well-being as well. Surround them with God-fearing friends and loved ones who will not only cover them in prayer, but guide them by example in ways that will teach them how to seek you and your wisdom and all of their daily endeavors. Place your hand of protection on their spouses and their children. Give them strength and endurance to stand beside and behind their service members. Guard, guide, and encourage them all. We pray these things in your precious and holy name. Amen. Amen. On the same night in which he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. And he gave thanks. We give you thanks, Lord, for this country and for what you have done. Pray this with me. I receive, I receive my, healing my healing in every organ, in every, organ, in every, cell, in every cell, in every part of my body. I receive my healing in every organ, in every cell, and in every part of my body. In Jesus' name. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take ye, this is my body which is broken for you. Shall we partake of the bread together? And in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do, as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. For as often as you drink this cup and eat that bread, you do proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Shall we partake of the cup together? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Savior has ransomed me, and like a flood, His mercy reigns, unending love, amazing grace. The Lord has promised. Is good to me. His word, my hope, secures. He will my shield and portion be as long as life endures. My chains are gone. Been set free, my God, my Savior, 
Savior has ransomed me, and like a flood, His mercy reigns, unending love, amazing grace. One more verse. Shall soon dissolve like snow. The sun forbear to shine. But God, who called me below, will be forever mine. Will be. Seventh hour does not strike on the clock of every man. For at this time, most of us can be found at home, comfortable, knowing tomorrow is right on its way. At the eleventh hour, most of us can be found in our beds. But in another world, our men and our women, our brothers and our sisters live in this hour. Tick, 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 tick. Every second for you, every second for me. So it was on the eleventh hour of the eleventh day of the eleventh month of 1918. The guns were lowered. The trenches grew silent. And an armistice was declared between the Allied nations and Germany. A great war hushed so that the wives, the children, the fathers and the mothers could salute back across the ocean. And it is on this day each year that we have stopped to salute our veterans, our men and women of the 11th hour. So today, it's our turn. It's our turn to show our gratitude it's our turn to applaud when they stand. It's our turn to thank God for you. Yes, it's our turn to say thank you for going in our stay. One more time, can we say thank you? Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. God bless you. You may be seated. And again, take the opportunity. Don't, don't be satisfied with just, you know, the applause, which is nice. But you've seen their faces, you know who they are. Why not take a moment to walk up to some of them or whoever you can and say thank you for your service. It does mean a whole lot to them. Amen. Well, I, I hate to, you know, change the tenure of things. But how many know this week has been an interesting week? Happy holidays. 
Uh, I, I'm sure a lot of you have gone through the uh, elongated aspect of emotions this week, looked at things, wondered about things. You know, I, I don't think it would have been really so bad as to watch all that takes place across the media and the things that are said and how things are done more than anything else. So God and I decided, well, not really God and I, I decided to have a talk with God. Ever been there? It doesn't matter what you have to say, God, you're going to hear what I have to say first. What are you doing? And it was, you know, kind of like an exasperated, and, you know, I know, it's, it's just crazy. It's still crazy. It'll probably be crazy for a while to come yet. I, I don't know where things will end. I don't know. I know you won't, but but the reality is, I said, God, you know, really? How, how, how do we work with this? How many know that God's not silent? He has a way of saying things. And you know what he told me? Just dropped it right into my heart. Bless his heart. <laughs> he said, uh, you know, back in the days that you study, called biblical days, they didn't have presidents. They had kings. They had Caesars. They had all these that they had no choice over whatsoever. And what did they do? They trusted me. <laughs> so, you know, it's kind of one of those things where how do you say anything back to that? You know, you just you realize your eyes are on the wrong thing at that point in time because it's called focus. But today I want to share with you, I think, something that is resonating with a lot of people and with a lot of us, and it's, it's something called chaos. Hello? Anybody know what I'm talking about when I talk about chaos? It has been one chaotic week. Things have been up, things have been down. Things have been red, things have been blue. I, I like mauve myself. <laughs> but this morning, I want to take a look at some things, biblically speaking, when it comes to chaos. And I don't think we've really grabbed a hold of this fundamental thing. This, this kind of thing came to me as I was walking through some stuff about chaos. So let's take a look at some scripture here that you have in your notes. And it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without what? Form. It was void. And darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let. Everybody say that word, let. That is a powerful word, amen? Let there be light, and there was light. Now, go on to this next section, because this is what we're going to be focusing in on. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than all his children, because he was the son of his old age. Also, he made him a tunic of many colors. And when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Jump it up a couple more verses. Then they said to one another, look, the dreamer is coming. Come, therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into some pit. And we shall say, some wild beast has devoured him. We shall see what will become of his dreams. And then the anchor for the New Testament. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according, who are called according to his purpose. I got one thing to say. It's crazy, but it's God. It's chaotic, but it's God. And, 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 and <laughs> take a look at that aspect. God stood literally in nothing and made everything from nothing with a word. Now, to me, that's, that's a word, okay? I mean, there, there's, there's power in that word let, that we just talked about. He creates the earth. The earth's messed up. 
That's as simple as I know how to put it. It's messed up. And, and verse 2 says, it doesn't even have form. It's empty. There's darkness over the face of the deep. Listen, that's how he made it. Grab that. That's how he created it. And then I like this. He proceeds to call order out of chaos. But understand, he's the one that created the chaos. Does that click for anybody? I mean, understand, chaos, to me, is the canvas of the creator. God makes things chaotic, but the only reason that they're chaotic is we don't have all the information yet. Hello? We're looking at what's right now. We don't have all the details that God already knows with what he's doing. So what do you mean, Pastor? Have you ever looked at your life and said, God, what are you doing with my life? And, and, and the truth is, the only reason it looks chaotic, the only reason it looks like it's in total confusion to us is that we don't have all the information. Plain and simple. You're in the middle of confusion. Hello? Anybody know that kind of? I'm not talking about some Asian format. I'm talking about confusion, not Confucius. It's, it don't make sense. Uh, you know, God, you, you led me this way. You talked to me about this. And, and it's, it's all upside down. And it's confusing. And, and the reality is, we say, God is not the author of confusion. And that's right. He's not confused. We are. The enemy will try to get you to stop, my friend. He'll get you all twisted up and messed up, especially in the head. And as a result of that, we, 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 he, he, he wants to stop you from focusing on God. That uh, he wants to stop you from trusting. He wants you to instead trust what you see. <sighs> Things are not orderly. Things are out of whack. Things are upside down. We know in our hearts this can't be right on certain things. But God is still saying, I've got all things in control. I'm not confused. I know where I'm going. Look to me. Look, well, I found out, and, and, and uh, <laughs> I don't know if you understand what I'm saying here, but this little phrase, he makes it messed up, okay? He started that with the earth, and he's continued to operate in the same way. When he does things, a lot of times in the beginning, what? It's messed up up they, they tell you for example that when you get saved everything is going to get better somebody lied to you that's for sure the fact is you can come to the altar and, and give your life to God and then suddenly after that everything just seems to shake apart hello uh, it, it seems the deeper you get the, the more you find out, this is chaos. You're, you're fighting the devil on this side. You're, you're fighting yourself on, on the other side. And you got to fight all these other Christians as well who don't understand what God is doing in your life. And you say, God, you're not the author of confusion. And God says, I know I'm not confused. Because God, friend, is not intimidated by chaos. He's not intimidated by the counting procedures. He's not intimidated by this, that, or anything else. It's the canvas of creativity for him. When you look at Joseph's life, okay, and you study it, the dude had a mess. I mean, he, he's the 
eleventh son of Jacob. His father gives him a coat of many colors. Everybody say, favor. And that was obvious. The coat of many colors was not just to say, hey, Joseph, I like you better than any. No, it was worse than that. Joseph wasn't just playing favorites. That coat of many colors was actually not a coat of a bunch of colors. It was actually a fully white coat with, with flanges on it, sort of like an Indian kind of coat would be, or a Western kind of coat. It was a full white jacket that signified firstborn. See, that was supposed to be Reuben's position. But Jacob is saying, no, that is Joseph's position. So he has the birthright. He has all these other things coming down through the pike there. Now, now follow with me here because the favor that's on his life, that touch that's on his life, causes his brothers to hate him. You, you know, I, I'm going to get in trouble here, but that's okay. There was a time when we were moving through uh, some of that, well, I'll just call it the move of God, throughout the latter 90s and into the early 2000s. And we could not share the greatness of God with some other people, pastors or churches, because they would get angry. You would see it rise up within them. And, and you just, they, they, I mean, it was ridiculous that they could not rejoice, move in that presence, and, and it was cold and it was dark. I'll tell you the truth. When God's doing something in your life, you're going to find that other people, God will put something on your life that will make people who were supposed to like you be dislike you because you're operating in a place that they don't operate in. Hello? They don't applaud what God is doing. They, they, they try to dismantle and destroy it instead. Friend, I'm going to tell you something. When God begins to bless you, and you begin to understand that he's just touching your life to use you, other people are going to shut you out and shut you down. They're going to try and take away what God is putting in. Understand, it doesn't have anything to do with you. It has to do with God. The Bible tells us why, why Jacob favored Joseph so much. And it was because he was the son of of his old age. I mean, get the picture, okay? Uh, you know, old man Jacob is walking down the road with his sidekick, little Joe. And somebody comes up to him and says, oh, is that your grandson? No, that's my son. I can see him just rising his, his, his nose up there. You know, it, it's interesting how is it that when you talk about the favor, the way, the way that God's favor comes on us, that people will ask you, what's happening? What's going on? They don't know how it's taking place. I don't know how it's taking place, but I know who is taking place. The power in the early church is still the power of today. I'll say it again, he is the same today as he was yesterday and will be forevermore. Joseph would be favored, the son of his old age. God said, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon what? All flesh. In these last days, I'm here to tell you, I'm here to declare it over you, expect the the favor of God like you've never seen it before. Amen? Expect the favor of God. I don't care. You know, things, wherever things go, as, as the enemy tries to tear apart and, and rip apart whatever he can, we need to expect the favor of God in these last days like we've never seen it before because I guarantee you, hmm, to do things in your life, the favor of God. To do things in your life that doesn't make sense to anybody else. 
Why would they, why would they know that? Why, say, what's going on? And, and, and see, understand, it's not because, you know, how can I put it? It's not because of you. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's not because of you. <laughs> it's that God is showing the world that I'm still working in this age, at this hour. I'm still performing miracles, and I am still performing healings. I'm still performing wonders because that's who I am. I am going to bless my people. I am going to raise them up, and the weapons of his warfare, they're not going to prevail against us. The reality is greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. Look, they, they hated Joseph because of his favor. They're going to hate you too because of God's favor. Get used to it. Hello? Tell your neighbor, get used to it. Let's get back to Joe. They throw him in the pit. They want to kill him because he had a, a dream, remember? A dream with everyone bowing down to him. Can you, can you imagine? I mean, Joseph is, is about 15 to 17 years in, the, in, this, in, in this particular age bracket. His brothers are in their mid-30s. And he comes whomping down the table to breakfast and says, Hey, guys. I had the neatest dream. Y'all going to bow down to me. Try saying that at your next family reunion and see what you get. Of course, that's not going to happen for a while because right now we're not allowed to have more than seven gather at a family event. We're allowed 30 at a funeral. So this year we're going to have a funeral for a turkey. But here's the thing. Joseph has this dream, but it doesn't stop Joseph. He keeps dreaming. I hope you hear that. He kept dreaming. Hello? He kept dreaming. I'm going to tell you something, friend. If they don't like the way you worship, keep on worshiping. If they don't like the way you're praising, keep on praising. If they don't like the way that you lay hands on the sick, Keep laying hands on the sick. I'll tell you straight up. It might be chaotic, but it's God. Chaos is the canvas of the creator. Joseph had another dream. And he tells them, and, and probably the majority of us wouldn't even bother telling the second one, but he says, there's 11 stars. The sun and the moon are bowing to Joseph. Which simply meant, mom and dad are going to bow to me. <laughs> that either better be God or you're in trouble. But, but here's the thing, 11 stars. How many brothers does he have right now? Only 10. Plus Joseph equals 11. So, if 11 stars are bowing and there's only 11 sons, including Joseph, it must mean there's another son coming. Benjamin hasn't yet been born at this time. But in Joseph's dream, he's about 17 here, in Joseph's dream, he already sees Benjamin before Benjamin gets there. See, and this is a biggie, but I'm going to give it to you. When your dream begins to touch another generation, the enemy will hate you as long as you're dreaming a dream that will benefit you. But when you start to dream dreams that will pour or that will touch generations that are yet born, a dream that says, 
it's not going to stop here with me. It's going to continue generation after generation. When you start dreaming a dream for your children, when you start dreaming a dream for your grandchildren, when you start dreaming a dream for your community, for this world, then the enemy says, I got to kill you. I got to get rid of you. And, and, and that's why they're ready to kill Joseph. He's dreaming a dream that another one is coming and daddy already favors this one. <laughs> what will we do? Well, you're going to kill him before the dream happens. You're going to get rid of him before he becomes a problem. And, 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 and so they, they don't kill him. Something intervenes there. I wonder what. But they throw him in a pit. Listen. I want you to hear this. I know it's in your notes, so I want you to make sure you, you get the right thing down here. Every now and then, God will put you in a pit, but the pit is for your protection. Don't, don't, don't misread what's going on. Oh, no, sometimes God puts you in a pit, but the pit is for your protection. And let me say this. When the enemy knows your destiny, you've been marked for attack. Do you, do you hear that? When, when, you, when, 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 when the enemy knows your destiny, you're marked. And when a church or people come to a place prophetically, they know their destiny, then you can expect the boom. I've watched as, God, as the enemy has tried to tear this place apart at times in ways that I, I know you might not be aware of, but it's external things. It's from the outside in. It's not from the inside out. I've watched as the enemy has come against this place many a times, but guess what? It's God's church. Now, let me just say this. What, so what does God do? Get this. He hides it. He hides it in he hides your destiny, he hides your life in chaos. Oh yes, he does. Get that. He hides you in chaos. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's a pretty lousy place to be. <laughs> because God will strategically put you in a position of transition, flex and change that may even feel wrong, friends. But it's because he's hiding you so the enemy won't know how much of a threat you really are. When the enemy sees you in the chaos, when he sees you in the mess, you don't think you're a threat. Now, the devil sees, and, 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 and he's looking at this, and he's going, I've got Joseph in a pit. I've derailed his destiny. He will never, ever be what God wants him to be. I've got this. That's what the enemy says. God says, believe what you want, devil, but I'll use the pit to promote this man of God. God is saying to you, it doesn't matter the pit that you find yourself in right now, friend. Don't look at the pits. The devil wants you dead because you're marked for destiny. And the truth is, you're too low for the devil to really see you at this point. Joseph, he's in the pit. And then they sell him into slavery. Chaos to chaos. It gets worse because the level of blessing is much more. He had to get him to Egypt. God had to get him to Egypt because God knows stuff that you don't know. Okay? And, and, and the thing about God, he doesn't bother to tell you, does he? Have you ever wanted a text from God? Or at the minimum, an email or something, you know, that, that explains everything, that gives you an understanding on things? No. All he does is say, hey, change, switch. Move. 
And you go from having on your coat to being in a pit. And now you're a slave. As soon as you get the slave thing down, now you're in prison. Can somebody say chaos? Uh Uh-huh. Turn to your neighbor and say chaos. (laughs) You're going to, or you might even be right now confused, saying what's going on. But he's not the author of confusion. He's hidden you under the wing of chaotic situations so the enemy cannot see you. The enemy says, I don't have anything to worry about them anymore. I don't have to be concerned about them because I got them right where I want them. Do you ever feel like that's what the enemy is saying about your life? God says, hey, you didn't put them there. I did. And while they're there, this is what he says, I will do something to them so that when they come out, and they will come out, they will be more dangerous than when they went in. I believe the church is rising up in a day as it has never raised up before. I believe the mark of God is upon his people, upon his church, upon his body like never before. We are in a day, we are in an age, we are in an unprecedented future. We don't know of his return and when that will be, but it's a coming down the pike. All you got to do is take a look at the leaves that used to be on the tree. They're now on the ground that all have to be raked up. The seasons are changing. Something's going on. Something's taking place. And I believe in the imminent return of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But I'm here to tell you that during this time, before he comes, that there's going to be an unprecedented favor upon his people that are going to rise up out of the chaos, out of the confusion, and will be more dangerous than when they went in. And I believe that when we come out of this, our word to the devil is going to be, surprise. (laughs) Boo. Because you're more dangerous and armed now, and you're ready to fight. The kingdom of God suffers violence, but the violent. Okay, Joseph's in prison, (laughs) but he's running the place. Now listen to me very carefully. Don't let the situation dictate your attitude. Your revelation has to be higher than your situation. Don't let the situation dictate your attitude and know that your revelation has to be higher than your situation. You can't look at the situation. You've got to look at the revelation. I remember what he told me. Yeah, that's Joseph. And one day, I mean, I know what I know the dreams he gave me. And one day, now I, I, I may be locked up right now in prison. But one day, everybody's going to bow down. And I'm going to come out more armed and dangerous than when I went in. He's in prison. But he's acting like he's in charge. He's the CEO of the prison. Friends, some of you right now are not in anything that you thought that you would be in. You're in a complete opposite direction. It's it's not like, it's not gone like you thought it might but yet here you are. That, that situation is not the end of your journey. It's not that the situation that you're in, that prison that you're looking at, that, that condition that you're walking through, 
It's, it's not the end of your journey. It's just another phase of what God is doing and unfolding in your life. It's just another chapter. The book's not finished. It's your book. You're still writing it. It's still being written. And I know that, such, that things from outside can contribute to those chapters, but it's still your chapter. And sometimes you're going to go from one chapter and it's going to be another chapter after that and another chapter after that because the end's not finished. You are in the right place at the right time. You are not late. You have not been derailed, friend. You have not been denied. Can somebody say amen? I believe that God is setting you up for where you're going next. Hello? I didn't say you're enjoying where you are now. You know, this is not the way I want to go from, the, from, 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 from this situation. to the, I'd rather have a nice situation and then go to the next, right? Sometimes that just doesn't happen. Trust me, sometimes you end up in places you didn't plan on being and wonder why, but God knows what he's doing. Potiphar puts him in jail because he's upset with him, of course. And by the time he gets out of prison, he'll be Potiphar's boss. Let me give a prophecy over you, just simply statement that what use that what you used to serve is going to end up serving you let me say that again what you used to serve is going to end up serving you you got the baker and the butler remember them everybody say the butler did it <laughs> yeah I mean, let's, let's, let's be real. Joseph is now walking in the realm of dreams. I love dreams. Dreams have always been a hobby of mine. I love interpreting dreams. People stop telling me their dreams because I interpret them. <laughs> and that's uncomfortable sometimes. Uh, I, I, I have. I've, I've met with issues and, and people and scenarios and situations from all over the country that have called me and asked me concerning dreams. One person puts in the, tells another person who puts them in touch with someone else who then comes to me, and, and, and I, I just, it's not pretty. I've done seminars here on dreams, how to interpret dreams. The Bible is full of dreams. I call it God's um, forgotten language because the people in Scripture knew how to interpret dreams. And now you have these dreams that are coming to him from the butler and, and from the baker, and, and as a result, they're sharing with Joseph, and Joseph gives them the inter Well, you know what happens, you know, the, the, the baker became a crispy critter, and the butler returns. And what does Joseph say? Hey, when you get back there, remember me. Say something good for me. And, and so it's two years later, and all of a sudden he goes, oh, Joseph, two years. Joseph's still in prison, but he does it at, how many know God is never late? He's never early either, but he's never late. He's always on time. And, and, and he does it at just the right time because the king has this dream. And so Joseph comes along in a word of mouth and he interprets the dream just at the right time. And in a day, I love this. In a day, are you ready? He goes from being a prisoner and being the, 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 to, to being the second most powerful person in Egypt. In a day, from being in prison to the second most powerful person person. You know what that is? Surprise! Boo! Now watch this. He goes from chaos to kingdom. He goes from protection to palace. And he goes from prison to power in one day. From chaos to kingdom, from Problem, the palace from 
prison to power in one day. Can somebody say amen? Friend, I want you to understand something. There's nothing too difficult for him. All he has to do is speak a word. And we get all frustrated. Oh, God, why aren't you doing something? Why are we going? And I understand those emotions and those feelings and those concerns and everything that's wrapped around with it. I get it. Trust me, I do. I've been there and go and gone, God, what are you? What is going on? And sometimes I, how many ever have that one word prayer kind of thing? Right? One word prayer. God! That's my prayer. That's all I can say. I've been in situations and emergencies and, situ and scenarios where I didn't have, I, I, I couldn't pray. The only thing I could cry out was his name. Oh, you can come this way. Please don't go around that way. I want you to get in front of the camera. Here they come, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for tuning in this morning on streaming. We're glad to have you with us. There are times that I thought that it's going to take God a long time to get me out of this situation. No. He put me in it. He put me in the situation so the enemy wouldn't be intimidated because of my destiny. So God could groom me and gift me and empower me just like you. So you will come into the place where he wants you to be right now. Right, turn to your neighbor and tell him, right now. The enemy will get you so discouraged. <laughs> My dad used to talk about us kids having fat lips because we'd always go around doing this. Well, he said that mainly about her, but that, that's, that's. <laughs> the enemy wants you to have a fat lip. He wants you to be discouraged. He wants you getting, he wants to get you to look at the fluctuations, at the change, at the problems, and try to cause you to forget what God has already told you. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Don't doubt in the dark what God gives you in the light. And, 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 and bottom line, you already know this. He's spoken it into you. Thy word have I hid in my heart. <coughs> Friend, let me just put it this way. It's focus time. Hello? It's focus time. It's, it's time to quit looking at the chaos. And it's time to start seeing it from God's point of view. I believe it's time for the enemy. Well, let me just put it this way. The enemy's been intimidated. Because of what you see. Because of what God's speaking into you. The enemy is, is, is touching areas in your life, grooming you and growing you. No, no, friend. Uh-uh. No, please. Don't sit back. Don't punt. Don't say, well, there's a chance. There's a possibility of this. Well, maybe we can work. And I'm not talking just about the election. I'm talking about life. And the reality of that is don't go there. Don't go get settling down in that, that, that little old punk kind of just punt. I'm, punt I'm, I'm just, it's terrible. It's, it's horrible. No, don't get stuck in that discouragement. God is still on the throne. Amen. Fix your eyes on the author and finisher of your faith. Fix your eyes on Jesus. And I say, Lord... Open our eyes of understanding. Fill us with the knowledge of your will. God, friend, is with us. You know, we cannot serve God out of our emotions. We have to serve, look, 
<laughs> we're going to get in trouble. Would you stand with me? That means there's 20 more minutes left of the service. <laughs> I want to I end this by just simply expressing something for you here. A lot of what people are going through right now is all emotion. The way that we're working with, dealing with, the way we're crying wolf, the way this is happening over there, the COVID situation, the financial situations, everything coming in, so forth and so on, stretching. This is an unprecedented time in human history. There's no two ways about that. People are looking at losing their business. They're looking at losing their families. They're looking at scenarios and situations. Friend, I'm tired of seeing people die this last year. And the majority of what I'm referring to has to be, it, will, it is, it comes out of emotion. And when we get tired, we become more emotional. Look at your neighbor. Do they look emotional? <laughs> Mike's just chuckling. He's going, ain't turning. Uh-uh. I know better than that. <laughs> See, here's my point. And this is where I end. Friend, we've got to get past emotion come back to truth. It's not about facts. It's about the truth. And he is the way, the truth, and the life. God, his canvas is chaos. It looked crazy. And God sits back and says, now watch what I paint. Watch what I put together. And when it's all done, I'm going to look back and say, it's good. It's good. Lord, I thank you for your word this morning. And I thank you for speaking into our hearts and into our lives. Lord, you are our sure foundation. It's on Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. There is a reason that you bring us together for such a time as this. There is a reason that you have breathed life into us and that you're guiding us in the destiny you have purposed us in. And Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray, restore your church. Revive your church. Let there be a sound of revival sweeping across your church. Lord, may there be a rising up because the truth of the matter is there are people who are lost Dying and going to hell. And the only way they'll know the truth is through your church. So I pray, pour out your spirit afresh and anew. If there's ever been a mandate that's been given to the church, it is for such a time as this. God, forgive us for not trusting in you. But we stand ready this day in the middle of the chaos, under the radar of the enemy, waiting to rise up and come out more dangerous, more weaponized than we've ever been before, in the power, in the anointing, in the favor of God, in the name of Jesus. With every head bowed, let me ask this question this morning. Maybe you're here in this place, and the truth is, you don't have a relationship with Christ. For whatever that reason might be, I don't know. But you're here. And you know that your life's not right with him. If that's you this morning, and your heart is saying, yes to his love, yes to his grace, yes to his destiny for your life, would you just affirm that? Right where you stand. Even though praise can I just want to pray with you this morning. That's you. And your life is saying yes to him. And the destiny he has for you. His love and his forgiveness. Lord, I thank you again for what you're doing in the hearts and lives. Now, I pray in the name of Jesus that you will weaponize this house. That you will weaponize these believers. That you will make them force to be reckoned with, a danger to the enemy's plan. 
to the enemy's way of trying to disable and see them as no threat. God, that's grace. Let the devil be blinded from one end to the other. I pray, Lord, again, that your church will rise and that your name will be proclaimed. And, Lord, that this nation, a nation under God, that if my people who are called by my name, in the name of Jesus, I pray, let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. In Jesus' name. And everybody said... Somebody give him praise this morning.